and welcome to After Alexander. Episode 30, Seleucus the Young King. Today's episode is going to focus on a topic that I touched upon when we introduced Antiochus I in episode 21, namely the life and death of his eldest son Seleucus. As I also covered in episode 21, this topic is replete with question marks and vagaries, practically from the moment of Seleucus's birth. His birth date can only be guessed at, and even the date of the marriage of his parents and the co-kingship of his father is a date range at best. So, you're going to have to indulge a lot of vagueness on the one hand, and assumption and date-picking on the other. When uncertainty does rear its head, I'm likely as not going to go with the majority view for the sake of a simple timeline for our narrative. This does not mean it is an accepted date per se, but it means that I want to avoid you all getting lost in the barrage of dates that could be thrown at you. So, with that disclaimer out of the way, let's explore the life and death of one of the most enigmatic figures of the Seleucid dynasty. As we discussed back in episode 21, I've approximated his date of birth as being around about 293 BCE. That's not to say that this is necessarily accurate, but I thought we needed an approximate age to deal with throughout the rest of the episode. My assumption is based on the notions that, first of all, Antiochus I and Stratonike were married in approximately 294 BCE, and secondly that Seleucus may possibly have been the eldest or the second child, given the naming conventions of the Hellenistic world, as we've discussed before. After his birth, the next time Seleucus appears in our story again is when he, like his father before him, was made co-king in the east. From the sources I've seen, I'm going to go with an approximate date for this as being 275 BCE, which, with the birth year I've approximated above, would make him about 18. Given that his father first entered the political scene in his early 20s, this kind of age range and thus range of dates seems logical from the options that I've seen in my sources. Seleucus may have been made co-king at this point because of the imminent First Syrian War. Given the hazardous nature of warfare, there was every possibility that Antiochus I might not come back, at which point the succession needed to be smooth. The following is extrapolation based on our previous example of Seleucus I and Antiochus I, but the initiation of the co-kingship may have had the added benefit that Antiochus I would have been able to focus entirely on the west, where the war would have been fought. Unfortunately, Seleucus Jr. appears to have been less than competent in his capacity as co-king, although I haven't been able to uncover any more details than this. With that, the next, and also last time he turns up in our story again, is his death. There is a wide range of dates given for the year of his death, ranging from 269 to 265 BCE. Most of the timelines that I've seen state that Seleucus was dead by about 266 BCE, with only one source potentially allowing him an extra lease of life until the following year. For the purposes of our narrative, I'm going to stick with 266 BCE. This year was either chosen, or falls within the range for, the highest number of sources that I came across during my research. 
Whenever it really happened, Seleucus, son of Antiochus I, died. For the purposes of our simpler narrative, his joint rule came to an end after about nine years when he was approximately 27 years old. So, why did Seleucus Jr. die? Well, the broad consensus appears to be that it was not natural. Most of the sources I access in researching for this episode stated that Antiochus I executed his son for rebelling against him. Why rebel in the first place? Seleucus may simply have been bored and impatient. After all, by the time of his execution, he had been co-king for about as long as his father had been with his grandfather. However, Antiochus I never seems to have given his son any real authority, whether in politics or in the military. Although making someone a joint king makes the succession smoother, it also adds the danger that junior rulers might want to accede to sole power a little earlier than their senior partners had perhaps intended. See historical figures like Henry the Young King in 12th century England for further details on that score. Another factor may have been that Seleucus Jr. was unhappy about the fact his father may have remarried at this time to a woman called Nyssa. That said, one paper from 2020, which I am unfortunately not able to access, mentions in its abstract that more modern scholars have, apparently, sometimes concluded that Seleucus Jr. probably died of natural causes. This paper also goes on to state that Antiochus I's younger son, also called Antiochus, had been made a co-king alongside his brother, rather than the simpler father and son partnership which we've seen before. The argument goes that the death of Seleucus Jr. was simply a breakdown of this rule of three system. However, the majority view, which I'm going to go with, says that Seleucus Jr. was killed on the orders of Antiochus I after he rebelled against him. I'm going to quote from the House of Seleucus here, although I should stress that its author Edwin Bevan doesn't seem to believe that Seleucus Jr. had actually rebelled against his father from what I can make out. In his words... Quote, Already in the reign of Antiochus I an evil had appeared in the Seleucid house, to which no less than any other overmastering circumstances its ultimate ruin was due, the division of the Seleucid house against itself. The elder son of Antiochus I, bearing the name of his grandfather Seleucus, had been designated the successor. From the earlier years of the reign of Antiochus till sometime between 269 and 265, he had been associated with his father as joint king, and had perhaps been given the government of Babylon and Iran. Then there came a dark suspicion between father and son. Antiochus gave command that the prince was to be put to death, and it was done. His younger brother Antiochus stepped into his place and was made partner in the throne. End quote. Off the back of that, the consensus view is that, after the death of Seleucus Jr., Antiochus I made his younger son, the future Antiochus II, co-king in his elder brother's place. Of course, it is possible that Antiochus II had been a joint ruler with both men for some time, as per the Rule of Three argument from the 2020 paper. However, I'm going to go with the majority, and say that Antiochus Jr. became co-king in or around 266, stepping into the vacuum left behind by his elder brother's execution. So, to summarise the version of events I'm going with for our narrative, Seleucus Jr. may have been born sometime around 293 BCE in the reign of his grandfather, 
and was possibly made co-king in the east in 275, when the dangers of leaving the succession in question became apparent just before the First Syrian War. However, he doesn't seem to have been all that competent, and the majority view is that he was executed in 266 BCE after rebelling against his father. After this, his younger brother Antiochus Jr. became co-king in his place. So what should you take away from this episode? Well, the bottom line is that there appears to be a great deal of uncertainty around this figure. In fact, some sources such as George Rawlinson's 1869 Manual of Ancient History leave Seleucus Jr. out entirely. For the purposes of our narrative, I have gone with a viewpoint that seems to either be in the majority or seems to fit best in my eyes. However, bear in mind it is possible that my viewpoint isn't necessarily the correct one. That said, this whole incident does give us the perfect opportunity to formally introduce a figure who will be the next major Seleucid player in our story in a few episodes' time. The younger Antiochus, co-king as of 266 BCE and soon to be known as Antiochus II. However, he will have to wait a little while longer before we reach his accession to sole power. Next time, we're going to turn back to Anatolia and the final years of Antiochus I, examining the events that will, eventually, lead up to the accession of his son to sole power as Antiochus II. As always, thank you all for listening. For any questions or comments, feel free to head over to the show's email address. Until next time, have a great week everyone.